10-3 is brought to you by Callaway. Just like a podcast, my golf game needs a good start, and if you're anything like me, you know how much a good driver can up your game. That's why you need Callaway's new Epic Flash driver with Flash Face technology. It's shattering the idea of how fast a driver can be. It's Callaway's first ever driver face engineered with artificial intelligence. What's that mean? Using machine learning, Callaway's supercomputer, yes, they have one of those, was able to test, refine, tweak, and retest over 15,000 different faces to find the fastest one. That's Flash Face technology. Learn more at callawaygolf.ca. Allegations of sexual abuse have been leveled against a high-profile Canadian track and field coach. Several former athletes have claimed they were sexually abused when they were 15 and 16 years old while being trained by Ken Porter, who coached in Edmonton in the 1970s and early 80s. He was recently suspended from his role as president of the Ottawa Lions Track and Field Club, pending an investigation by Athletics Canada. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look at who has come forward, what they're alleging, and whether police are involved. Before we get to our conversation, just a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Just a warning, this show deals with allegations and details of sexual abuse. Lori Colbert is a member of the Vancouver Suns investigations team. So, Lori, this story that you worked on about Ken Porter involves former elite athletes who are alleging claims of sexual abuse at the hands of their former coach. But the allegations weren't the start of the story for Ken Porter. He came to the public attention for a much more recent case. What can you tell us about that piece of it? So Ken Porter was really a bit player in how this story began. He is the president of the Ottawa Lions Track and Field Club, which is the biggest, most successful track club in Canada. And the head coach of the Ottawa Lions Club is a man named Andy McGinnis, a longtime friend of Porter's. In September, Andy McGinnis took a leave of absence from the Ottawa Lions Club amidst allegations of sexual harassment. Then in late March, Athletics Canada released a press release that indicated that uh, it was suspending McInnes, um and also Porter, but Porter was being suspended for failing to take action against McInnes in the sexual harassment claims because Porter was McInnes's boss. So this gets posted on Athletics Canada's Twitter feed, and it prompts several pe- people, including Brian Rhodes, a man now living in Kelowna, to post on Twitter, wait a minute. Ken Porter's being suspended for administrative reasons, that doesn't seem right. So how do we get from these allegations to the allegations of abuse? When he, when Brian Rhodes says he's being suspended for administrative reasons, that's not right. He wasn't doing it in defense of Ken Porter. He had some more serious claims, correct? I should stress that at this point, Mr. Porter has not been charged with any criminal charges and that none of these allegations have been tested or proven in court. But Brian Rhodes uh, alleged that he was sexually abused when he was a 15 and 16-year-old track star being coached by Ken Porter in Edmonton. And a second person um, who's requested now that his name be kept confidential 
also posted on Twitter. He's a man that now lives in Vancouver. And so he and Brian Rhodes came out right away and said, we were victims uh, back in the 70s. And is, is this where you came to the story? Was it through these tweets? Or how did you find out about this? And what did your reporting on this case involve? So there wasn't a lot of reporting at the beginning. Um, these two men came out. There was a very few briefs in the in the papers about the Athletics Canada press release. But um, through connections at the paper, I mean, a man named Chris Dallin came forward. When I was a teenage track star, I was um, abused by my track coach and... Uh, I worked very hard to, uh, to be a top-notch, nationally ranked young uh, track and field athlete, um, but ran into a, a coach who uh, wanted me for something other than running. I didn't tell anybody, anybody about my experience, mostly because of the shame that I felt, the embarrassment. Um, he, like Brian Rhodes, was willing to speak publicly and openly and at length about abuse that he said that he suffered while a track star in Edmonton in the 1970s. Through Chris Dallin, I was able to track down a fourth person who also made the same claims. And just to back up a little bit, to understand Ken Porter's history, he was, uh, he, he was the main coach of a place called the Edmonton Olympic Club in Edmonton from roughly 1970 until the early 1980s. And again, by all accounts, he was an excellent track coach. He was successful. He was charismatic. He he got great results. And his athletes out of Edmonton set world, uh, national records, mm. won meets, and um, was... Uh, you know, a very, very good coach, I am told, on the track. It's off the track that these people allege the problems happened. So what made these men want to come forward now after so much time? Well, I think we all know that there's, uh, there's a Me Too movement that's catching momentum, uh, you know, certainly across North America. And you know, I think it just took uh, some brave souls like Brian Rhodes to just, you know, he it was a gut reaction from him. He said he just saw that press release and thought, you know, all these years later, 45 years later, I, I'm at a place in my life now where I can stand up and say, this happened to me and this is wrong. And and Brian said, you know, over the years he would Google Ken Porter's name and, you know, and he learned that he was still coaching youth in Ottawa, hmm. which up until his suspension in March, he was still coaching young people and he just thought it was time to speak up. So we have Chris Dolan, we have Brian Rhodes, we have another man from Vancouver and we have a fourth person uh, who who's was on, who referenced it on Twitter. How many people have come forward total so far? So we have nine people in total, I'm told, that have come forward, seven of them from Western Canada. I would assume that most of those seven um, were connected to the Edmonton Olympic Club. Mm -hmm. Two of them from Ottawa, and the Ottawa incidents would be more contemporary would have happened, um, I'm told, in the last decade. What is it that they're alleging happened to them? 
So it's a fairly wide range of allegations, and and I would contact put this into context by just saying that keep in mind in the 1970s, a lot of these men felt either a the social support and coming forward and talking about an older man preying on younger boys that there was a social stigma to that,、mm-hmm. and the other thing to keep in mind is that. This was a very successful coach, and these were very driven athletes who wanted to be on the world stage in track and field. They really felt that this coach was the person that would, would that would allow them to continue to be successful at the sport. They were very, very hesitant to kind of speak up and do anything that might stop their progression in you know kind of what they were trying to achieve athletically and. They all look back on that now as adults and think, "Really, I should have told my parents, my teachers, my friends." But at the time, that they were in a different mindset. They didn't. They were naive. They didn't necessarily know that what was happening to them was wrong, and they really didn't want to rock the boat. Are we talking about sexual touching? Are we talking about sexual assault? Are what What are the allegations that these men have been have made? So it's a range.、Um, many, most of them, talk about receiving massages, and they said, you know, that seems really normal at first because their quads would always be aching after doing sprints or hurdles, and but that、uh, the allegation is that the massages uh, became uh, sexually inappropriate,、uh, you know, involved touching their genitals.、Uh, Often bringing them to erection, sometimes to ejaculation. That this was happening in the stands on the side of the track. Oftentimes, where other people could see it was happening. Several of the men have alleged that there were incidents in hotel rooms,、uh, one involving unwanted oral sex. So you can see that there's quite an expanse. And one of the men actually claimed that. There was sexual intercourse that happened in、uh, in an apartment in Edmonton. So you talk about some of these、uh, incidents happening in view of other people at the track at at, at practices. I believe、um, is there a sense of I guess humiliation or, or shame that some of these events happened where other people could see? Absolutely, these men talk about being completely humiliated、um, and. And that was part of the issue in the 1970s, just and the early 80s, just that they were just almost too embarrassed to speak out. Fast forward to today, many decades later, that has affected the men in very different ways. Some of them have been able to move forward and build productive, emotionally stable lives. Others have been traumatized by this、um, and have felt it very difficult to move forward emotionally because of everything they kept bottled up inside and wondering if they were to blame and 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 why this happened to them. We'll be right back. You want your business news in podcast form? Post Media's got you covered. The Financial Post is excited to launch Down to Business. A weekly podcast that digs into top Canadian business stories in under 30 minutes. Get ready to talk business with host Emily Jackson. Check it out on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming platform. 
you mentioned earlier that none of these allegations have been tested in court and Porter has never been charged in connection with any of these allegations. Have the police ever been involved in any of these cases? So in 2007, one of the complainants, Chris Dallin, who lives outside of Vancouver, um, was encouraged by friends to make a police report. And he went to the local RCMP in British Columbia, and they told him to uh, make the report to, to Saskatoon police because the most serious allegation involving Chris took place in a Saskatoon hotel room during a, a meet there. Mm-hmm. And so he gave a long statement to Saskatoon police. And Saskatoon police will not tell me exactly how they investigated this complaint in 2007, but I, I have spoken to one um, other member of the track team at the time that Chris Dallin alleges this um, sexual assault occurred in 1979. That track member told me he, he did speak with Saskatoon police. So we know that, that the police did some amount of investigation, but ultimately that file was closed. Uh, closed without charges. Uh, is, there, is there any indication that police may be re-looking at any of these cases or that or Dallin's complaint specifically since uh, your reporting has come out? So I've been told that the main investigator for Athletics Canada has encouraged police to consider opening criminal files. Uh, the Saskatoon police told me this week that they are now reviewing that old 2007 file. And I have spoken to um, an acting inspector with the Edmonton police who indicates that the sexual assault unit in Edmonton, uh, that they are reviewing information they've received from Athletics Canada and then will decide later this week what steps to take, if any. Now, these allegations come in the wake of some pretty high-profile cases. In the U.S., there was Dr. Larry Nasser, who was recently sent to prison for sexually abusing more than 100 gymnasts. And in Canada, there was Bertrand Charest, a ski coach who is appealing his conviction for sex-related charges against nine former athletes. Does the high-profile nature of these cases make Athletics Canada want to take the current allegations more seriously? Athletics Canada has responded to my interview requests, although they say they can't discuss the evidence, just kind of the process. But my feeling is that they are taking this quite seriously. Um, you know, the people that are posting responses to my stories and, and to other people on, on social media about this ongoing case, when I reach out to them to interview them, they say they've already heard from the Athletics Canada investigators. So it appears that that group is kind of following the, the feedback, the reaction on social media and reaching out to those people as quickly as they can. Now, since your initial reporting on this and your initial investigation, um, you've there have been more people who have come forward. Is that what brought the total up to nine? Yes, yes. So we wrote our first story on Saturday when we had five confirmed complainants speaking with Athletics Canada, and I interviewed four of those people. And by Tuesday, 
three days later, uh, we were up to nine. I can tell you that my email inbox continues to grow with more people coming forward, some of them with abuse allegations, some of them who say they witnessed abuse. Um, so I don't know how much larger this could expand, but I think that what we need to remember is that the person in question in this story was a coach for five decades. Wow in Edmonton and Ottawa and, and other places outside of Canada. You talk about your inbox filling up with, with people coming forward, either witnessing or, or, or claiming to have uh, allegations against Porter. Have you heard from people who, for whom this doesn't reconcile with their memory of Ken Porter? So certainly at the beginning, there were, when Athletics Canada posted its press release back in in late March, absolutely, there were people coming forward saying this doesn't sound like the Ken Porter we know. I haven't had people necessarily contacting me saying that in in the last week. However, I did speak with the head coach of the Edmonton Olympic Club yesterday, who um, worked for two years with Porter before Porter left Edmonton at and he said, you know, his memory of him was that he was, um, you know, a, a good guy, a good coach. He heard no rumors at all um, about any problems. So, I mean, certainly yesterday, Brian Rhodes and Chris Dallin posted a letter to um, uh, kind of a chat group used by track and field members. And they said, look, look, we all know he was a great coach. We all know what he did for the sport. Um, that he's, you know, but there were things that people didn't know, and we're here to tell you about them. How has Ken Porter responded to the allegations? Have you spoken with him? I have not. Uh, he has sent me one email indicating that I should speak with his lawyer, uh, and his lawyer has sent me one email um, indicating that uh, Mr. Porter maintains his innocence, absolutely denies all allegations, and noted that he was a um, highly respected, highly successful coach in, in this country for 50 years. So for you, where does this story go next? Is it following up on uh, further allegations or uh, waiting to see if this winds up in a courtroom? Where, do, where does this go next for you? It's kind of like any journalism investigation, you know, once once you start writing, there's all sorts of leads that come to you. So I am tracking down people who used to coach with Ken Porter, and I'm talking to more people who potentially were victims or were witnesses, were, you know, tracking his movements to international competitions and events. And um, we're going to uh, monitor the annual general meeting next week of the um, Ottawa Lions Club to see what they may have to say about, about their president. Well, we'll be watching for further developments. For more on this story, you can go to VancouverSun.com. Lori Colbert, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Technical support from Darm McQuana. Special thanks to my guest, Lori Culbert. You can read more from her at VancouverSun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>